Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. how we started our podcast and how we record our podcast the answer is so so simple anchor it's free there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone tablet or computer anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on spotify regina king for cadillac escalade when people ask regina do you like to compete i say bring it on Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. By Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can make money from your podcast no matter if you have one listener or a thousand listeners. Downloads, everything. I mean, it's so simple. If you're creating something, get paid for it. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. Welcome back, everyone. It's the Heels and Quads Interview of the Week with your host, Tommy, at Mr. Tommy Walter on Twitter. Joining me today, the voice of wrestling, the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling, the pride of Allentown, PA, Ian Riccoboni. Ian, how are you this morning? I'm doing pretty well, Tommy. Um, voice of wrestling, wow, that that uh, that escalated quickly, but <laughs> I am... Um... Maybe I should say the new voice of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know that that means a lot that's a nice compliment um you know especially in the group right now there's a couple of us all around the same age myself Vic Joseph um you know we're we're all trying to break in and it it's fun it feels like there's some some new voices being interjected and um you know then you have guys like Kevin Kelly who are on a, a great career resurgence so it's a fun time to be a, a wrestling broadcaster so tell me a little bit about growing up in Allentown. I grew up in uh, 
northern New Jersey, so not too far from Allentown. But just, you know, basically about, you know, how what, what was the household like in Allentown? How was school? How did you do in school? Yeah, yeah. Allentown was awesome. Um, I'm still a very proud resident, and my my big joke with my wife is that I always, in these interviews, I try and hide in plain sight the fact that my dream job is actually to become the mayor of Allentown. <laughs> but um, it's the third biggest city in Pennsylvania, and it's about 75 miles west of New York City and about 60 miles north of Philly. And so it, it's really convenient to everything, and it, it's a nice city in its own right, especially now that we have minor league sports. We have the Iron Pigs and the Phantoms. But growing up, we could get – you know, back when wrestling was heavily syndicated, we got every kind of wrestling you can imagine. We got the AWA. We got uh, NWA Pro and Power Hour. We got WWF, Superstars, Challenge, Spotlight. And then we got all the cable shows. We got All-American Wrestling, Primetime Wrestling, uh, USWA, then GWF. Uh, the AWA's cable show, you name it, we got it. And so, um, growing up in Allentown, I, you know, I played baseball, basketball, um, and I really, you know, I really enjoyed those things. But I was coming home from school and and finding wrestling on TV when I was a, you know, when I was in elementary school that I think created the the love for it and the habit of watching it. And then, um, you know, on top of that, I was a I was a teenager when you know the Monday Night Wars happened. So. It was almost perfect timing, you know, just as teenagers would get into the kind of stuff that they were airing on television at the time, um, they were airing it. So um, all of that kind of lined up perfectly. But Allentown's always a super special place for me. Um, you know, I, I grew up here. I went to school in New York City for college, and then uh, I moved back uh, recently. And so it's always somewhere where I've wanted to be. And and now uh, it's pretty neat. And it's got a, wrestling, a cool wrestling history, too. Um, from 77 to 84, WWF did a, a lot of TV here at the uh, Allentown Ag Hall. And then also uh, the Nasty Boys are from Allentown. Uh, Matt Riddle is from Allentown. And uh, Billy Kidman is from Allentown. So there's quite a few of us who are involved in, in pro wrestling that have the Allentown connection. Um, and even, you know, the Wild Simone's Training Center, one of the first training centers in the country, was, you know, started and founded in Allentown and was here for almost 20 years. So it's pretty neat to to kind of be in a place where, where wrestling is not only just a, a thing that you like, but, but a lot of other people around you like it, too. It, it's, a, it's a hotbed around that area, especially because I'm the same age as you, or I'll be turning 32 in May, but, you know, it, it, it was a hotbed especially then when we were growing up because uh, like you said they had the, the tv tapings in allentown all the time i think that's actually where sergeant slaughter did the uh the pledge of allegiance or whatever yeah that's uh, that is where that happened and um i believe there was an i believe they filmed the snooker coconut incident twice and the one that they didn't use was in allentown i could have that backwards it could have happened there and then hamburg could have been the one that they didn't use but um, but yeah, they did Surgeon Slaughter's Camel Limo was in Allentown. Hulk Hogan yeah. retur- returning uh, to save Bob Backlund was in Allentown. So a lot of big moments on early WWF TV were, were in Allentown. Now, did you, there was a question on Twitter we had from, he's, he's a longtime listener of our show and a good friend of ours. So we always try to fit him in anytime he has a question. So Robbie Duran asked if you wanted to be a wrestler first or was it kind of, 
just wanted you always wanted to be a commentator? Did you just kind of fall into it? Because I mean, I, I've read your history, but you know, just elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a part of me that wanted to be a wrestler. Um, I, I think from a, a young age, I was pretty sure that I wanted to be a commentator. And if you ask my mom and dad what I wanted to be, and, and if this all makes sense, they, they would say it would. Um, we used to drive all over God's green earth looking for the, the Hasbro wrestling figures. And when I would get a new one, um, I would just sit in my room for hours and just call wrestling matches that were happening with my action figures. And I'd have storylines and I'd have this and that. And so as a little, little kid, um, it would not have shocked my mom or dad to, to tell them that I'd become a wrestling announcer. Um, fast forward later um, in high school, I played baseball. I, you know, I varsity, varsity letter in baseball, basketball, cross country. Um, so relatively athletic, not a superstar, but, you know, six feet tall, 220 pounds. And, you know, just a, a decent build. And, I, you know, you always have that bravado when you're a high schooler. So I went to the Wild Simone's Training Center, actually. And I went there with a, my friend Chris Freed. And Chris was two years older. He was doing a college project. He was a video filmography major. And he was like, hey, film me while I'm doing stuff with Samu. And then you get in there and, you know, you, you learn how to t- you know, do some of the stuff. And I'll film you, and then we'll put it together in, in a video package, and I'll pass my project. And so <laughs> Chris did his thing, I'm like, and, and I'm thinking, man, this looks fun. This looks really, really fun. And then you hit the ropes, and you're like, ooh, holy crap, that hurts. And, yeah. then, <laughs> and then you, you know, it's Samu's there, and he's saying, okay, uh, you know, try and create the most surface area you can, land flat on your back, tuck your, tuck your chin, arms out, and remember the first time I hit the mat, I knocked the wind out of myself. And it was, uh, it was that moment where I was like, you know what? Um, I, I don't really want to be a wrestler. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to be Hulk Hogan. Maybe I want to be Mean Gene. Yeah. Yeah. I had one of those moments where, you know, I, it was anybody that can, anybody who's had that realization um, knows that moment. And that I, I respect the wrestler so much because even the things that look so basic and so routine on television hurt so bad, and, and including run, running the ropes. So, you know, for me, that's that's when I figured out that hey, maybe maybe I shouldn't be a wrestler, and uh, and just kind of moved on and and decided officially that I was I wanted to go into broadcasting. And you kind of got your start. You were doing Future of Honor, and then you got called up to do TV for Ring of Honor. What was that like? I mean, what were your feelings when you knew? you were going to be the featured uh, broadcaster on Ring of Honor TV. It was kind of crazy. And, and I haven't really told this, this part of it, but, um, you know, I, I was in Chicago for, for my day job at the time. And um, I was sitting there and I was on, on the toilet. <laughs> and I got, <laughs> I got a phone call from our executive producer who were a lot closer now um, because it's, you know, it's been two years and I've been the, the lead broadcaster. But at the time, um, if he called me, that either meant that uh, I was needed for some kind of pre-tape where I was going to interview people in front of our green screen or I was going to get fired. And so I had no idea why he was about to call me. And so I picked, I picked it up because it was unusual. And um, he just said, hey, um, Kevin Kelly's moving on. We want you to be the 
you know, the voice of Ring of Honor. And what I didn't really understand was kind of the entire, I, what, I, what I still don't understand, um, and really is none of my business, is all the mechanics that led up to, to why um, I was placed in that seat. But uh, the opportunity came, and, uh, you know, I had a couple a couple of TV tapings to work with Kevin and to learn as much as I could from him and uh, two pay-per-views to do so, uh, 15th anniversary and uh, War of the Worlds 2017. And so from there, you know, uh, I it was like Steve Young and, and Joe Montana. And the only reason I say that was because Steve Young, uh, you know, he came out a once super promising quarterback, disappeared for a while with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Uh, gets traded and gets to play behind, you know, someone that's super, super good in Joe Montana. And then all of a sudden he's, he's 29, he's 30 and uh, he, he gets an opportunity to start and you're, you know, he's wondering if he's just a little bit too old, if he's got any magic in him. Um, you know, he's wondering if, if the ship has sailed and it'll be temporary. And those are a lot of the same feelings I had. Um, you know, I had very limited experience calling matches um, there was a week last year where I called more professional wrestling in one week than I did before I became the lead announcer of Ring of Honor. And if that wow. sounds crazy, yeah. And if that sounds crazy, um, you know, we did have we did have seven events in a in a very short period. Um, but still, at the Monster Factor, I was I was only doing a handful of events. Um, at Ring of Honor, you know, I, I drive myself to Dayton or Kalamazoo or uh, Baltimore or wherever, uh, Warwick, Rhode Island, and, and call one match and then, you know, go home, um, which was fine. You know, I needed to be there. I needed to get that experience. Um, but the reality is, like, I was able to duplicate the amount of experience in, a, in about a two-week period at one point that I had before I became the lead announcer. So um, it was kind of frightening. It was kind of scary. Um you have the thoughts in the back of your head about, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now. Do I, is, is it too late for me? Is it, did I miss an opportunity to learn? Can I learn? Can I learn enough quickly on the job? Um, so there's some fear, there's some anxiety. Um, but then at some point, you know, you just, you just jump in. And I was lucky that by our April TV taping in Baltimore, um, we had figured out that Colt Cabana would be a, at least a, a semi-permanent partner for me. And uh, that helped incredibly, like more than anything else, was to have not only some consistency, but to have somebody as funny and as smart and as witty as Colt. Yeah, that uh, that's great. I was I was actually hoping you would kind of lead into that because that was kind of my next question. Out of all of the people that you've broadcasted beside, you know, you and Colt have so much chemistry, and you know, he's got a mind for the business. Um, you know, obviously funny. He has a podcast. He's, I mean, he's like our, you know, who we look up to as podcasters because he kind of got the first one going. Uh, would you say, Colt, your favorite partner to call matches with? Absolutely. Um, and that's with all all respect to, to Caprice Coleman, who I'm having a lot of fun with right now. I think we're developing some good chemistry there. And with, with Nick Aldis, who I've called a bunch with. Um, but Colt is... Colt's on a different level, and, and Colt, I think what makes it so easy, Colt has a very similar personality to my big brother and my actual big brother, and same age difference, same everything, and 
when I was, you know, when I was of a certain age, my, my big brother would take me everywhere. So, and, you know, he'd sit me down and we'd watch MTV and, you know, at four years old, I was watching Beavis and Butthead or however, you know, however old I was, six years old, maybe. And so, you know, my big, my big brother was always, uh, you know, having me tag along with whatever he was doing, even though he was eight years older. So, for me. Stuff about Beavis and Butthead, and you know, when we were growing up, we were teenagers during the Attitude Era. It's like, I don't understand. Like, some people, like, now I live in Arkansas now. So, like, when I tell people, you know, I grew up watching Beavis and Butthead, and I was, you know, just a little kid and watching, you know, Attitude Era wrestling, and they're like, where were your parents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, really, my parents, uh, you know, they were there. And, yeah. you know, I, I think one of the, the big important things with, but things like Beavis and Butthead where they were like, hey, this is pretend and, you know, you don't do this. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know, the same thing with wrestling. You know, my parents, you know, told me very young, which, I mean, not trying to, like, ruin my dreams or anything, but, like, just saying, hey, just so you know, these guys are actually friends. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, and then same with, like, Beavis and Butthead and then later South Park. You know, this is this is TV. This isn't real life. So you can't go around acting like this. But... Yeah, yeah, and my parents, my parents went to great lengths to explain that the fact that the ridiculous things they're doing are funny because no one should ever do this ever. And if right. you actually, if you actually do this, frog baseball and stuff like that, don't ever do that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's you act- where where I'm at as a parent now, and I, you know, congratulations on your your new addition. Ah, oh, thank you. We go, we go into that now. We're thinking, okay, I'm not going to do the same thing. But in a way, I am going to kind of do the same thing because I want my kids to grow up to be good people like, you know, yourself, but better. Right. So, Absolutely. Eddie at Stick Stickly 150, as I'm losing my voice, <laughs> asked, what is a match or matches you would love to go back in time and call? Oh, wow. Um, I think for me, uh, the one that jumps off the page for whatever reason is um, Macho Man versus Dynamite Kid. And that was uh, the wrestling classic. So that was the very first official pay-per-view from the WWF. And um, it was a tournament, and they ended up in the semifinal together. To my knowledge, it's the only time they faced one-on-one, or at least the only one that's on tape. So... There was one as a kid where, you know, before the PW Almanac came out, before the internet really took off, at least in, in my house, um, I had no idea that the event happened. So when I found this VHS at, at this uh, local rental store, um, about flipped my lid because it was something I'd never heard of before or seen before. And then two of my favorite wrestlers just showing up out of nowhere <laughs> was pretty neat. And uh, it was a really cool match and has a, you know, a great finishing sequence. Dynamite goes for the the superplex. Macho Man turns it into a crossbody uh, as he's going down and hooks the leg and gets the pin. And uh, it's one of my favorite matches. It's very it's very brief. I think it's only six or seven minutes, but um, it's it's probably one of my favorite matches. I'd say that or uh, one two three kid versus Bret Hart. Those are two matches I'd love to call from Raw. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, what that match gets overlooked so many times and. It's a shame because that's one of those matches I always tell people, you know, when people ask. I'm not a wrestling fan, but if you could, you know, give me one match to watch and I'll watch it. And that would be in the top ten at least. 
I love that match. Absolutely. It's it's so simple, you know, it's the champion versus versus the underdog and the story that's told there. Tells itself in the ring. Absolutely. So real quick, I wanted to ask you, and then we'll jump right back into wrestling because I know we're running low on time. But, you know, tell me a little bit about your love for the Phillies because I'm a baseball guy. I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan, which I know, you know, that goes over so well in an interview. But <laughs> you know, your, your love for the Phillies and baseball in general, like where did that come from? Was it just growing up? Was your dad into it? Um, my dad my dad was always a good sport in that if if we liked something, he would nurture it. Um, but he, he's a guitar player. He's a rock and roll guy. And, um, I think the proudest day of his life when is when he, he finally got a bass guitar into my hand. Uh, but, um, you know, for, for baseball, it was something with, you know, again, my brother, um, we would go outside and play wiffle ball all summer long for summer after summer after summer. And, um, you know, I ended up being a big Phillies fan and it helped that when I was six, uh, they made the world series. And so, um, this team became instantly more exciting to root for, and you know they they were able to retain the same players year after year, which was nice. Um, give some continuity to a kid following it, um, you know. And then you know as we as I got older, um, when I got my driver's license, it was always fun to. That was one of the places I actually had permission to go was to drive with my friends Chris and Brendan uh, down to Citizens Bank Park. And uh, and watch baseball because they just opened that the uh, the ballpark up once I got my license. So I think those things, um, you know, really hammered it home. It was something that I played as a kid. I played in high school. I played in college, and um, I just always always loved baseball. There's an element of having to think several steps ahead, and I I love all the strategy. Uh, I love the I love the mental the mental focus that's required <laughs> to play it and uh it's just it's very cerebral for a game that uh, you know it, for a game that's seemingly slow so slow on the surface the moments where it accelerates are are incredible and are unlike anything else in, in any other sport that's what i always try to explain to my wife when she's watching with me she's like how can you watch this game it's so boring i'm like but just look at it this way. It's not always about the final score. They pay, play 162 games a year. You got to look into the statistics, everything behind it. Look how a certain guy's playing. Is he, is he going to follow through to tomorrow? If he's in a slump, how is he going to get out of it? It's like wrestling. You're telling a story, but with a bat or a glove. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's prior history for almost everybody. And if there's not, that's the story. You know, it's a, it's a, yeah. a new rookie facing somebody – never faced before or two veterans that have somehow never crossed paths and um you know the different moments that that happen in the games and so yeah it's a every game is every game is like a novel and it's it's really fun for me to watch because i i like that style of sport (laughs) we got a couple of minutes left so i wanted to get into april 6th saturday april 6th you're calling ring of honor new japan at Madison Square Garden, man. As a kid growing up in the Northeast, I mean, how, how are you feeling going into this? <laughs> like, um, this blows my mind. It, yeah, it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> um, it doesn't. I'm more excited for you than I am the actual pay-per-view. It, it's it's wild. It's so wild. Um, especially, uh, I have a lot of friends in WWE. Um, for a long, long time, you know, I thought that's where you needed to go if you wanted to to go to Madison Square Garden. And so um, I like WWE. Uh, it, 
right now, though, I'm 100% committed to Ring of Honor uh, for the next several years. And so for me, um, MSG was never on the table ever <laughs> in my head or in my mind. And so, you know, this popping up and becoming the event that it is with the, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on the line with Okada challenging Jay White, uh, with the ladder match with Jay Lethal, Matt Taven, and Marty Skrull, um, it's going to be incredible. And, and both organizations could have very well punted this event once the tickets were sold. You know, they could have filled it up with, you know, matches that, you know, were, were interesting but not, you know, top ticket, top tier matches. But I think the card really bears that out. So as the card has been unfolding, I've been getting more and more excited. But, you know, when I was going to college in New York, I I wasn't poor. I was working. Um, but I had to make, like anybody, you got to make budget decisions. And Madison Square Garden was was almost never in my budget. <laughs> I went once. I, I saved up to see Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, right. Um, so that was my big, and that was $100. And I remember how much of a financial burden it was at the time. And so, you know, now to be a part of the event and the act that people have been talking about for months and are so excited to see, uh, the shoe being on the other foot, it's, it's kind of incredible. So the Honor Club girls are going to lynch me if I don't ask you about the overwhelming popularity that Matt Taven is getting. I mean, <laughs> yes. did, you see the, did you see this coming? Um, I knew Matt Taven had a lot of potential. I, I knew that Matt Taven uh, could be a superstar. Uh, he's blessed with, um, you know, with, with model good looks. He has, uh, you know, a great physique, uh, but he's also got the charisma. And he's also been around the world, and he knows different styles, and he knows how to, how to you know, be in front of different crowds and audiences. Um, it, is, it is not surprising that Matt Taven is in the main event to me. Um, he's somebody that's worked really hard. He's main evented Arena Mexico. Uh, he's main evented, you know, in New Japan events as part of the kingdom, as part of the tag team, um, you know, when they held the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles. So to me, not surprising he's in the main event, but I'm so proud of him that he, he's in this main event. The you know the triple threat ladder match for the, the Ring of Honor World Championship. I'm glad he's just finally getting his due. For a long time, um, he he wasn't, and I think that ACL MCL injury back at Final Battle 2015 um, really derailed him at a time when he could have had a lot of momentum start to build up. Absolutely. And final question: You mentioned Bruce Springsteen. I'm a huge Springsteen fan. Obviously, growing up in Jersey. But what's your favorite song, favorite album from the boss? Oh, um, so my favorite, this is a deep cut. Uh, my favorite song from Bruce Springsteen is, is a song called Santa Ana. Ooh. And it's on, it's on uh, Tracks, which is an unreleased compilation yeah. that he put out. Um, and my favorite album uh, is actually, is, is probably The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle. Um nice. There's just this energy to it where um, he, he just feels like he's got a smile on his face throughout the whole album, um, even when the pace goes down a little bit, even when the, the tone goes down a little bit. There's this air that everything's going to be all right. Um, Rosalita's on it. Um, the E Street Shuffle's on it. Um, that's an album that, that I love front to back. Um, it's the second album, and I think it's really, really gone underrated over time. So that's that would be my pick for favorite favorite Springsteen song and album. That's one of those ones where when he does the full albums now, live, 
I'm always pumped when he does that one because yeah, yeah, it's so good and like you said, underrated. And Rosalita is a party song. Absolutely. You want to dance? You want to grab your girl? Get up on the dance floor and just boogie. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ian. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor, privilege, big fan of yours, and you know, have fun in the garden, man. Uh, thank you so much, Tommy. It was a it was a blast joining you. All right, take care, man. Thanks. You too. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.